Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with theater's biggest names. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and this episode is with Carolee Carmelo, who you probably know from just tons of things. She's one of the biggest names on Broadway these days and one of the nicest people I've ever had the pleasure of chatting with. She got her college degree in business and French. Yes, an oddly specific combination. And then after finding the type of people who really got her excited personally, after doing community theater for fun, she decided to give this a shot professionally. And we are all so glad that she did. Recently, of course, she was off-Broadway in Sweeney Todd and in the national tour of Hello, Dolly. And now she's part of this video-on-demand production called Estella Scrooge where everybody filmed in front of a green screen, no two actors filmed together. It's an amazing use of technology when we are forced to adapt, and I just hope that this trend continues. If you want to watch the trailer, there's a link in the show notes, and of course, visit estellascrooge.com to check out the full movie. Please find me online on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. Leave me a comment. Let me know you're listening. Leave a rating, leave a review, share with your friends, and now everybody, please enjoy this episode with Carolee Carmelo. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here you go. One, two, three. Today's guest is a three-time Tony Award nominee with 14 Broadway shows on her resume, including the original casts of Falsettos, Parade, Lestat, The Addams Family, and Tuck Everlasting. In the last several years, she's received rave reviews in the off-Broadway revival of Sweeney Todd, as well as the national tour of Hello, Dolly, and can now be seen in a fun new take on your favorite Dickens classic called Estella Scrooge, A Christmas Carol with a Twist. Carolee Carmelo, welcome to the theater podcast. Thank you so much, Alan. I can see you're you're in some sort of living room with a Christmas tree behind you. Are you where are you coming to me from right now? Uh, I'm in my house in New Jersey. And yeah, I put up my tree uh, the day after Thanksgiving because I just needed, you know, a, a task. I needed something to do. <laughs> my mother, my mother put up her tree the day before Thanksgiving. Okay, sure. Whatever gets you through. Well, yeah, and I think it was sort of the boredom, too. We were actually talking a second ago before we started recording that sort of this looming uh, uh, unemployment weight 
has been just sitting around, which is ironic because we're talking today because of a job that, you know, of course, Estella Scrooge, your latest project. But overall, um, the theater in person has been, you know, shut down for what, coming up on nine months now. Right, it's, March March twelfth it was for a lot of us when the uh, when the axe came down. Yeah. Right, and were you was Hello Dolly done at that point, or were you still going? No, we were in Buffalo. We were supposed to do a show that night, and uh, we had a company meeting. You know, you always hate to get that call. There's a company meeting at five o'clock, and um, you know we had heard rumors about things starting to close, and honestly, I thought they were going to say at the end of this week we're going to, you know, pack up and go home. Um, but they said, we're not doing a show tonight. The governor has just announced that we, you know, we can't have gatherings this large. And so get your stuff out of your dressing room and get out. And it was really sad. I mean, I'm laughing about it now, but it was, you know, we were all crying and we, we wanted to have like a last show to say goodbye to each other. And we had been having so much fun on the Dolly tour and, um, it, it was really disappointing. So I, I feel for all those people who were doing Broadway shows or off Broadway or regional shows all around the country who suddenly, you know, got the phone call or the, the notice that it was over. It, and it's, it's really hard to kind of wrap your head around the fact that it may not come back until, I don't know, next summer, maybe. If that, I mean, because right. right. they still need to open it and then tourism needs to come back and for that you need restaurants and hotels to be safe and flights to be safe and it's you know flights themselves i'm I'm on a tangent here but flights like the air circulation within an airplane is very clean for the most part it's but it's getting from the front of the airport to the plane and it's all that risk of contamination. This is where a lot of people uh, apparently are getting contaminated. So I'm reading, but um, yeah, they say the airport is actually worse than the plane, right? Did you come home from Buffalo by plane then, or were you were you driving no, I home? Drove. It, yeah. They um, they rented me a car, and it was about a five hour drive. But I, you know, put all my stuff in the car and drove back. It was. You know, I, I mean, I probably could have flown at that point. They weren't restricting flights yet, but uh, but it just seemed like the the simpler, safer way to go. Right, right. Well, the 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 production, I guess. I mean, who knows at this point what's going to come back and what isn't? And I feel bad for people like the girls from Six who were supposed to open that night that that didn't get. They haven't had their Broadway opening yet. So a lot of them are oh, going to make their, awesome. their Broadway debuts. Yeah. So they haven't gotten that yet. And they missed the Tony cutoff. And there's the whole, I mean, actually, what do you think about the Tonys having <laughs> happened? Just between you and me. Let's turn, we'll turn off the camera now. Here we go. Um, All right. <laughs> I have to say, I, I, I'm not as, um, I'm not as up on all the decisions that were made. Um, so I, I'm not sure I can comment, but I, I guess, you know, you hate to leave, a whole season out there were some great performances last year and great you know writing and all that stuff so i mean i guess the alternative would be to glop everybody from this year onto next year and combine it somehow i don't know i'm sure greater minds than mine have figured this out yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure there will be a 20 what is it yeah so that last year was what we're doing now is 1920 right mm-hmm. yes so i don't think there's going to be a 2021 season because if we're not even opening until May or June at the earliest, then that was past what the normal cutoff would have been anyway. So in my opinion, I think, you know, like 
Aaron Tveit, well-deserved nomination for for uh, for Moulin Rouge, but but yeah. then, like in the back of my mind, is there? There's always that asterisk, right? Of you know, I mean, you've been nominated for three Tonys. If you got your nomination now for this season for something, but you were the only one in your category just because of a pandemic, would that feel like? How would you feel about that? <laughs> Grateful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I understand what you're saying. Like, it's like the baseball stats that have the asterisk because they, you know, were subsequently found to be using, you know, performance enhancing drugs. Um, But, you know, this is through no fault of their own. It's not like they were cheating. Uh, And there have been times in the past when actors or, or shows have been the only nominee in a category. So it's not unheard of. Um, I know what you're saying, uh, but I think anytime you're nominated for anything, you feel grateful. Circumstances <laughs> <laughs> are. <laughs> well, going back, going back then to your to your nominations, do you? Um, well, okay, I want to back up again because okay. you grew I up. I was born in 1962. Yeah. Well, actually, that far. well, I wa- I wanted to actually sort of do that, sort of go okay. back because you you were, grew up in Albany. I did. Um and attended University of Albany, and you got your bachelor's degree in business and French. True. Two things that normally have nothing to do with musical theater. <laughs> in fact, you're right, yes. So... <laughs> Although I did do Les Mis eventually, I, and Scarlet Pimpernel, so maybe that counts for something. And you executive produced both of <laughs> of house. Business and French, and then we're... Were you in college or in high school or where did you first say, like, I'm just going to sing. I'm going to try to act. Where did the performance side of your life come in and why not pursue that in the first place? Um, I didn't pursue it in the first place because I, I was really sure that I wanted to pursue a business career. I mean, the French I, I studied just because I enjoyed it. I, I don't think I ever really thought I was going to have a career that involved French. But um, I just loved the language and I wanted to keep it up. Um, But I really imagined myself. uh, I can remember my freshman orientation in college and they sort of went around the group and said, what do you think you'll be doing in 10 years or whatever? And I was like, sure, I was going to be a personnel manager at IBM. That was my thing. I, I just knew it. And I really thought I'd be good at it and I thought I would enjoy it. And then... Somewhere in the middle of college, I started um, just kind of dabbling as, you know, it was just a hobby. I, I auditioned for a local community theater production of Sound of Music when I was 19 or whatever and got cast as Maria. And that was really fun. And I, I did a couple shows in my dormitory and I did another community theater thing. But they were all just like distractions. It was just you know, it was like joining a, a club, you know, like instead of playing chess, I was doing musicals, but um, never occurred to me that I would make a career out of it um, until my senior year of college. And I was doing um, a community theater production of The Music Man, playing Marion the Librarian. Um, I think I was probably 20, like way too young to be playing that role. <laughs> uh, but I 
I was offered a job for the summer that was coming up, which would have been the summer after I graduated from college in 1983. That's how old I am, everybody. <laughs> and um, I remember talking with the producer on the phone about what that meant, because this particular theater up in um, Lake George, New York, was um, they were offering us equity contracts. So he was explaining to me what it meant to, you know, join a union and what, you know, what the ramifications for that would be. And I remember standing in my mother's house, like listening to him going, what? Join a union? Like I had never heard of Actors Equity Association. Um, And he said, well, you know, if you want to continue doing what you were doing, like community theater and and those kinds of things, then you really shouldn't join this union because it will prevent you from doing those kinds of shows. But if you ever want to do this professionally, then you really have to be in this union. And I was like, what? Professionally? Like it (laughs) never occurred to me. So that was a real sort of fork in the road. And uh, at that moment, I decided, well, I'll do this for the summer. It was just a, you know, a, a little resort town up in the Adirondacks. And I thought it would be a good thing to do for the summer and kind of figure out what my next move would be. And then I, I met all these like fun, smart, talented New York actors who were in the show and they sort of encouraged me and said, yeah, move to New York, try it, you know. So I gave myself kind of a deadline. I thought, you know, I'll move to New York for a year and see what happens and then I'll get back to reality. And when the year was up, I sort of reassessed and I had gotten a couple little jobs. And I said, well, given another year, you know, it was that kind of thing. Every time I was ready to leave, I would get sucked in by another job. So here I am 37 years later, whatever it is. Did you ever have any conversations with your parents or anybody that were that was saying like, you know, business is a paycheck. And even though you find your people that are super happy and can express yourself through art, it doesn't pay well. Um, You know, I have to say that my parents, to their credit, uh, were were encouraging. I mean, they didn't they didn't say, go for it, follow your dream. But they they didn't say this is ridiculous. What are you talking about? You just finished your business degree. Um, so they, you know, they helped me find a place to stay and they, they just kind of let it play out. You know, I mean, I think they were probably fully expecting as I was that I would fall on my face and that I would be back in Albany, you know, looking for work at some big corporation before the year was out. Uh, but yeah, they they were supportive in the sense that they didn't forbid it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the same thing sort of that my parents told me at one point, I have a computer science degree, uh, was that it's easier to do acting with a computer science degree than it is to do computer science with an acting degree. So from my perspective, and you know, maybe yours as a parent too, I think it's probably like, yeah, let's let them try it. And if they fail, that's fine. But they have this degree now. She has a degree that she can fall back on, which is you know, a strong business degree. So I, I can respect their decision in allowing, I guess, being supportive. You're, you know, you're of legal age, you can do what you want. But in, in supporting that, that, that career move for you, because a lot of people just, you know, they're at odds with their parents over this. 
Yeah, I'm sure that's true. I, I guess I was lucky that way. I mean, we we are both parents. We were talking about that before. And I think what we want more than anything is for our kids to be happy. So mm-hmm. if they're going to pursue computer science and be miserable, you know, we don't want that for them. I mean, yes, you want them to be able to pay their bills, but you also want your kids to enjoy life. So let them pursue every angle and figure out what works best for them. At least I hope that's what my kids will do. Yeah, I I hope so. I mean, that, that's sort of what I'm going for of just like, here's all your options, trying to pick out what's good. And with with a little bit of nudging, zhuzhing, as, as one of my friends says, in, in one particular direction or the other to kind of like steer them. But of course, yeah, uh, yeah. As, a, as I guess most parents would try to do. Right. But, and my kids had two actors for parents. So hopefully they learned all the, you know, the negative aspects of a life in the theater and and as a result are not drawn to it so far anyway. <laughs> well, what what about it? I guess thinking back on on that moment when you were thinking to yourself, yeah, I think I I want to I want to try this. I want to try this. What what was it at that moment? Do you remember what it was that was sort of drawing you towards leaving this other career path that up until that point you had been so focused and very confident that you were going to do? I think it was a combination of things. I, I really um, enjoyed the people, you know, as, as you know, theater people are really fun, smart, funny, witty, interesting people. And so being exposed to that a few times kind of lit me up in a way that being in my accounting class didn't really. Um, But also, I think there was an overpowering sort of uh, knowledge in me that if I didn't try it, I would somehow always wonder and and possibly have regrets about it. So I wanted to really get it out of my system. And I, I really believed that I would get it out of my system like in a year or two, that it would just be like, oh, well, obviously you can't do this, but good for you for trying. And now, you know, you know, when you're 60, you don't have to look back and say, I could have made it on Broadway. (laughs) (laughs) I love how I do old lady voice, even though I'm going to be 60 in less than two years. (laughs) As soon as you turn 60, you're just going to turn You know, in my day... My day, we had modems that went doody doo. Walked in the room. (laughs) Was was there a time? uh, I guess in in the career, right? So you're saying you're 19, 20, 21 is when you were sort of um, started to have the shift. And I there's a lot of of women that are in the business that are friends of mine that have said like in their 30s, they work a lot in their 20s, and then they started working again in their 40s. But mm. like that 30s range, it was hard to find work just because the, the roles are usually for moms or a little bit older or for ingenues. And so you have to present a lot younger. I mean, do you remember back at that time, looking back at, at your resume, it doesn't seem like you had any trouble getting work? I, I, f- I have felt that phenomenon more in my 50s than I did in my 30s. I really? Mean, I- I don't know. You know, there were always ups and downs. I mean, there there were definitely stretches in every decade where I went, well, I guess that's it. I'm never going to work again. You know, I think all actors feel that way every time one job ends, unless you have something lined up, you just feel like you're, you, they're never going to call. And 
you know, eventually they usually do, but it's hard. But in my 50s, I really felt a shift of, yeah, there are a few roles here and there, but they're not going to be as juicy and they're not going to be as well paid and they're not going to be as fun. You're not going to be as on stage as much, you know, it's, it, it's been a real sort of reckoning. And then, so this year when there's nothing at all, I'm kind of like, wow, that, that really, <laughs> it was like a slowdown and then a smash into a brick wall <laughs> as far as job opportunities go. Um, so I don't know. We'll see what happens after this is all, you know, settled. Yeah. Well, speaking of job opportunities, obviously, uh, Estella Scrooge, for those who don't know what it is, let's back up. It's a video on demand available on estellascrooge.com. And it's like the modern, it's a modern retelling of of A Christmas Carol, but it's got all these other Dickens characters in there because you're Mrs. Habersham, right? Habersham? Right, right. Habersham, yeah, from Great Expectations. Which is, yeah, Great Expectations. So that yeah, there's a, so they've mixed they've mixed in a, a few other Dickens characters, but the the bulk of the story is a Christmas Carol, and it's you know it's a really interesting. When I first got the call, I was excited because John Kerr directed it, and and I've always been such a huge fan of his. I, I worked with him for like a half a second on the Les Mis national tour that I did, but. Um, I always hoped I'd have a chance to work with him again. And he's just so brilliant. And I thought, well, if he's involved with this, then it's it's got to be great. And I read the script and it was witty and fun and the songs were really good. So, I mean, it's a new way to do a show, you know, and, and hopefully for audiences, it's a new way to enjoy a show since they can't go to a theater. You know, they can see a lot of their you know, favorite Broadway actors. Um, and the interesting thing is that we filmed it all on green screen, which I had never done before. You know, I've never done like a monster movie or anything or a superhero movie. So I didn't have any experience with green screen. But so but the entire thing, I, I was reading that it was individual performances, which I guess is requirement of COVID, but everything was a green screen. Yes, everything. And I haven't seen much of the finished product. I saw the trailer, which you probably saw as well. And probably a lot of your listeners saw the trailer, but I mean, they, they did an amazing job of creating this whole world, this, this digital set that, that we were living in. And um, they were really smart about how they directed each actor to interact with this, you know, stick figure scene partner so that we look like we're in the same room together and we look like we're making eye contact. I mean, it's really fascinating. It's a it's a new way. I mean, all things being equal, I would rather be in the room with my fellow actors and my my director and my musical director. But um, since we couldn't do that, uh, this was this was a great way to to make a show, you know, and I, I hope that people will will be able to enjoy it in the spirit that it was intended. <laughs> you know, it's um, uh, it's the three spirits. It was intended. Ah, you see what he did there? Buzzing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's it's people making the best of of the situation, I think.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, you've got other people in the cast. Danny Burstein, Betsy Wolf, Lauren Patton, Patrick Page. Uh, you know, the, of course, you. There's this, this laundry list of amazing people. And you're telling me you never acted against any of them in person. Yeah, that was the most frustrating part because I had wow. this great scene with Betsy Wolf and we never got to, I mean, we didn't even really get to rehearse together. You know, I mean, if we had if we had worked together for a couple of weeks and I knew kind of what the shape of the scene was and then you put me in a room by myself, that would have been one thing. But we really were just going off of, you know, off the page and, and that's really tricky. So the fact that these performances look like anything is, is a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> that speaks I, probably to, you know, the director, the direction and the, and the effects coordinator. Yes. I, I've, yeah. I've, yeah. The effects coordination I've seen, actually, I've been watching some on, on TV. I can sort of notice now when there's two people in a commercial that are that are digitally put together because their eye lines are like one one person doesn't look like he's totally he's focused on the person who should be standing next to him. Interesting. So I, I'm always like I can't I can't watch anything anymore without dissecting. I'm like that's a crane shot. That's a drone shot. That's you know, <laughs> like I know too much about the industry that now. To, She's not really saying that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. ADR and I always look at the other person in a reverse shot because their jawline. Their, their jaw usually doesn't match the dialogue because yes. we're supposed to be looking at the person having the reaction. It drives me insane, but I that's know. my own brain unable to shut off. But <laughs> so you'd never, you had never done anything like this in front of the green screen. Was it, was it a local studio? And you like, you go in and, and they're saying, all right, so this is what pages we're doing today. And here's your, was it literally just like a tennis ball on a stick that someone was yes, holding? Absolutely. It was, it was two like toilet paper rolls on a stick. Um, for eyes, but this this guy Tyler, who's uh, who you were mentioning, like the amazing sort of technological aspects of it. I mean, he he's got a lot of the credit for this, along with the editors and John Caird. But he was the one in the room who was saying, "Okay, now you have to um, like." There's a shot in the trailer where my my ghost kind of floats from one side of the couch to the other, and so he would you know. He would tell me, look, we're going to we're going to make your figure float, but you need to give me like a, a sort of um, an, an initial movement of your shoulder or your hip. So it looks like you're swaying right before we cut you into this, you know. So, I mean, they helped me so much and I would never have had the 
foggiest idea about how to do this if it hadn't been for for John and Tyler helping me through. Um, but the editors, I mean, I can't even imagine what that what that world is like, putting that all together. Well, how long ago did you did you start filming it, or did production start in the first place? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I only I shot all my stuff in one day, first of all, um, and I. Th- think I'd have to go back and look, but it was, it was over the summer. Wow. Wow. So they were planning this. I mean, this must've been something then that was planned. Well, I was going to say like before COVID started, if they started production over the summer, the script had to have been written a long time ago, but I guess that's not necessarily true. uh, They had done. Okay. Sorry. I, I, I'm wrong. I shot in September, not in August. Um, they had done a, an onstage version of this before COVID. So they had the script and the songs already, you know, on paper. And they, they were um, thinking about a way to sort of adapt it to a, to a digital format. So, yes, you're right. If they had started from scratch, it would have taken, you know, probably a year to write all this stuff. But they had this piece and John had directed it before, so he knew it well. And so they just had to um, sort of cast it and figure out a way to film it, which was huge. <laughs> you know, that was a huge hurdle. And all yeah, these I mean, sets that had to be designed. So, Oh, the, the I mean, looking at the trailer, too, this, the technology behind all of this stuff and and I hope that this continues after COVID is over, after quarantine is over, because there's so many different ways that theater and quarantine is going to be over someday. <laughs> that's that's the thought. This is the news, Alan. Wait, where is the news? <laughs> Quarantine's going to be over. Uh, so the Do you have a date for that? Do you have an exact date? Well, I, I have a time, but not a date. So okay. it's at 364. 64. <laughs> <laughs> so so 404, 404 p.m. November, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be at 404 p.m. I don't know the date though. Okay. Um, Please let me know when you find out. So the, the 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 sets the sets are incredible. The technology is yeah. incredible. I, I go back and I look at the first Harry Potter movie. I was watching that over Thanksgiving. I some Harry Potter marathon, and just the technology, the difference between now and just a decade ago. Of course, it's it's in- incredible. Um, so I I really am excited and anxious to see where this sort of musical theater format will take us in the next two to three to four to 10 years, right? Because if people are just now out of necessity having to adapt, then now that they know it works, like this is proving it out for people, right? This is proving that they could work. I'm sure there's people investing in this who are pretty sure they're never going to make their money back. And, <laughs> and if and when they do, they'll be like, oh, we can do more of this. And it's a little bit easier because for you, you know, they, they you, you specifically like, you said you shot all your stuff in one day. You're a name, right? You're a big name. And <laughs> well, you are. And and at least I think so. And so so do many others. And you shut you just said you shot yourself in a day. Shot all your, your scenes in a day. So you could be in the middle of Hello Dolly. You could be in the middle of Sweeney Todd. You can be in the middle of whatever the next Broadway show is. And on your day off, you go in and do a complete, a completely different musical that then gets spread all over the world you're right i I love this 
TV and movie actors have been doing that for years, right? right. Like on their, on their hiatus, they go to, you know, Brazil and shoot a movie or whatever for a couple of weeks. And then, yeah, I, I, don't, I think theater people have been so boxed in by eight shows a week for so many years that we don't really think that way. But uh, yeah, maybe it'll open up a, a lot of opportunities for people. Who knows? Well, it should. And and I mean, producers have to want to do it, obviously, because you got to be able to finance it. You know, as the, the business side of your, your your brain, right? Like, put <laughs> yeah. that hat back on. Yeah. There's got to be an opportunity there. I mean, just think about it, right? There's got to be an opportunity for for all of this as a service to, to, to be given out to people. And now like, look at the, do you know anything about the Ratatouille musical being created on <laughs> TikTok? I my kids about this last night. I was like, what is the deal? You know, cause I, I have a 19 year old and a 25 year old. So they are much more in tune with this kind of stuff than I am. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sure everyone who's listening to this is going, Oh God, she's such a, you know, okay. Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess it started with someone doing a TikTok kind of joke about it. And now all these other people have created songs and scenes and, and they're putting it all together. I mean, it's, you know, crowdsourced musical theater. Right. And and I saw a press announcement the other day. Ken Davenport has committed to bringing it to Broadway. Like, ah! like so that might happen. Of course, nothing's for certain in this business. And it, I know Andrew Barth Feldman, like people, TikTok has cast ABF as as the the main guy. I forget his name. But like so. So Andrew has been posting mm-hmm. himself. Remy. Yeah, right. So Linguini. Oh, Remy's the rat. Is he oh, going to be the oh. rat? No, no. Linguini. Linguini. You're right. Check. Yeah, Linguini. So Andrew's like started recording himself doing some songs as Linguini, and, and like because of Andrew's following, that's just been growing and growing and growing. It's it's insane how fast technology can spread musical theater now if producers and people have the vision and the idea. And so I applaud whoever the driving force is behind Estella Scrooge because I think this is just kind of the tip of the iceberg here. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and you know, we'll see, like you said, we'll see what the response is. I mean, obviously, they're not going to make a ton of these if there's no uh, profit to be made by the producers. Right. But for now, um, I think it, it's just giving everyone an outlet, which is wonderful. And I think the product is from what I've seen, um, the product is going to be really top rate. Yeah, the trailer looks incredible. So there, there will link to, a link to the trailer in the show notes here for anybody who hasn't seen it. Um, but yeah, everybody check it out. Estellascrooge.com. It's just like incredible. I, I, I would never have thought that you were not, that all of you were not in the same room together, putting this, putting this film together. I thought that I could actually fly. (laughs) (laughs) There's that too. I wasn't going to, you know, let on to that. You know, I've always wanted to be in a show where I did like flying by foy, where I got to wear a harness and, you know, go across the stage and, aerial tricks and this is i think the closest i'm going to get to it unless i do some production of pippin someday or something (laughs) (laughs) oh god there uh nancy opal told me a story once be careful what you wish for she did something Uh where she was flying and she flipped upside down and had to like belt these high notes like facing upstage completely upside down i don't remember what show it was (laughs) but be careful what you wish. If for. anyone could do it, Nancy Opal could do it. <laughs> uh, well, awesome, awesome. Okay, so we'll wrap this up here with the three standard closing questions that I ask oh. everybody. Uh-oh, the you first, didn't warn 
Oh, okay, they're, they're easy, they're easy. The fir very first one is what motivates you? Oh gosh, um, what motivates me? Well, uh, I guess I, I hope to tell good stories, if that's a motivation. I, I, I consider myself a, a storyteller more than an artist. Um, I think I have to have good material and good people around me, um, but ultimately I just consider myself a storyteller. So that's my motivation, tell a good story. I like that. I like it a lot. Okay. What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? Oh, um, definitely, if if it's a dream of yours and you uh, feel like someday you might have regrets for not trying it, then you should give yourself time to try it, especially, you know, before you have responsibilities and and you know, before you have big bills to pay, you know, when you're young, try everything, whether it's musical theater or stand up comedy or, you know, uh, you want to be a sculptor or, you know, whatever drives you, whatever passion you have, definitely try everything for a little while and and see where you land, because you might be surprised at where you can make a living. I certainly was. <laughs> <laughs> I like that too. Okay, last question, hardest one here. If you can only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? Oh my gosh. The one that comes to mind is is like the show that I used to watch on television, the movie musical, you know, speaking of theater pieces in, you know, film form, that's how I, as a kid who didn't live in New York and didn't get to see live theater, that's how I learned about theater was watching movie musicals on TV, you know, West Side Story and Sound Me of Music. Too. But the one that um, the one that I really fell in love with is sort of an interesting one, but it's 1776. It's one of my favorite shows ever. And you got and to do I, it. Yeah, I got to do it twice. Yeah. I got to play Abigail, and then I got to do a concert version where I got to play John Adams, which was the most fun ever. <laughs> That's awesome. It's I, I just need to throw a little nod to you as well, because when I ask, I've asked that to over 100 people now, obviously, and, and the majority by far have said Sweeney Todd. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, every time... Every time they see it, they just find something new. It's just got so many levels. So, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why your run got extended. It is an amazing show. And I think that production that I had the honor to do was so cool and so unique. I mean, lots of people have done amazing productions of Sweeney, but there was something really special about that intimate setting and that small cast. And uh, I hope, you know, maybe we'll get to do it again someday. I hope so. I hope so. It's it was a great production. So where can we find you online? What are your socials? I'm sure you're all over TikTok, right? Uh, <laughs> I haven't jumped on the TikTok wagon yet, but you know, who knows? Maybe I will. Uh, I am Carolee Carmelo on Twitter and on Instagram. All right. You can get more of me at the theaterpodcast.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at theater underscore podcast. I'm on Facebook.com slash official theater podcast. Please leave a rating, leave a review, share with your friends. Thanks to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. Everybody, please go see Estella Scrooge on demand at estellascrooge.com. And Carolee, thank you so much. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thanks, Alan. Nice chatting with you. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays, everybody.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.